This is Max Minardi, that's Johnny Summers, and that makes this Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft beer and film. Spooky 2020, so extra spooky, Halloween edition. Johnny, how are you, my friend? I'm terrified. That that sound, <laughs> that initial opening terrifying sequence really has me shook. Good, I'm glad. I, I remember last year when we debuted that, uh, we were in the same room for one, so I just played it for you. And then when the, the, uh, the, the sound shifted to the spooky sounds, I just remember the the happiest of gleams in your eyes that I wish that I just pictured just now. And that's getting me through this, but it was a special Look moment. Pure glee. <laughs> uh, okay. Johnny, uh, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I am not too bad, man. How are you? Uh, about the same. Yeah. Um, got a lot of cool stuff to cover on the show today. Um, including this first beer, but before we get to it, uh, usual housekeeping, you want to tell people where to find us on the internet. Instagram, Twitter, and untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema, letterboxed at Max Minardi, at Johnny Summers. Our show email is fhccast at gmail.com. Freshhopcinema.com is our website. Patreon.com slash freshhopcinema is how you guys help us pay the bills. Uh, and also, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, at the very least, if you haven't had a chance, we're coming up into the the sort of stretch of the year that means it's holiday time. So if you are feeling generous, and I know we say it a lot, but if you do give us a review or a rating, it does help other people find the show that might not be aware of us in the first place. So please, please do that if you have a moment. Or just tell them directly. That works like, too. If they don't, and if they refuse to listen, um, resort to physical violence. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, um, um, sure. Why not? Who cares? It's Halloween. Um, let's say beer number one, yeah? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, what are we drinking? So we are drinking In the Weeds. It is brewed by Federation Brewing out of Oakland, California. It is a Citra Dry Hopped West Coast IPA. This one's clocking in at 6.3%, uh, and it comes in a nice pint can with a cool label. All sorts of cool things happening on the can. Uh, it's a pretty nice can. It says Made in Oakland on it. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Just I like the the colors on the can. I really, really do too. Yeah, grabbed my retinas. So yeah, Citra dry hopped West Coast IPA. So I'm expecting a ton of Citra, uh, and it's West Coast, so it should be bitter. And usually, hopefully, the dry hopping didn't make it juicy and and hazy. Have you tried it yet? I haven't. I was just pouring it, and I, I wanted to read the, the one thing that they had on their website. They had a, a bunch of beers available, but they didn't have too much to say about all of them. So all they said was, "This is a classic dry hopped West Coast IPA with a bright citrus aroma." Um, sort of everything that it says on the can, but in one sort of compact sentence. Um, and I, this is a new brewery for me, I think for you as well, right? Yeah, I've heard kind of of them and I've had them recommended to me as places to go check out in Oakland because sure. I am in Oakland semi-frequently. So they're, they're definitely on my radar as well as them, as well as Ghost Town, uh, as far as places to be mm-hmm. checking out when I pick up for modern times. So um, yeah, haven't had ever had anything from them. So this brewery is hundred percent brand new to me. Nice man. Yeah. I'm just looking at mine and it, it's almost, um, it's almost got a color of like a, like a fresh squeeze IPA. If you haven't seen that mm-hmm. from the shoots, it's, it's a very sort of orangey amber kind of malty looking beer. Um, but it doesn't smell like that at all. It smells very bright and very citrusy and, um, 
you know, there's not too much carbonation or, or head left in my glass, but I haven't actually had a chance to try it yet. I'm, I'm guessing that it does taste pretty citrusy and fresh. Uh, what, what's your first impression? Um, this beer is definitely a West Coast IPA in all of the most traditional ways. It is very clear. It is incredibly hoppy, super bitter, very dry, and very, very piney and resinous and sappy and like just incredibly big. This is a big hoppy beer. Like this is what you think of when you think old school West Coast IPA, like second generation, maybe after like stone IPA. But this is very yeah. much influenced by those those first and second wave um, American craft beer of the West Coast IPA and like the, you know, I could see this being influenced by like the torpedoes of the world and yes. the stone IPA and like the, the double IPAs from stone and just that super straightforward and just aggressively hopped beers. Yeah. It's, it's almost a direct U-turn from what we were talking about last week with crowns and hops elevated cipher. We were talking about how that's sort of like the, the new way that West coast IPAs are probably going like a little bit, a little bit lighter drinking and, and hoppy, but still kind of has a nice bit of sweetness. And this is definitely like you're saying for sure, kind of an old school thing. I think the torpedo note was particularly relevant because there is sort of a multi backbone to this that I wasn't expecting. And that I didn't get at first. At first I was like, Oh yeah, like this is just a straightforward sort of bright hoppy beer, but there's some weight behind that. That was very surprising to me for 6.3%. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a, like a beer I appreciate with the, the robustness and kind of like it being really upfront about what it is, because if I drank like three or four of these, like I know I'm going to be feeling it and it oh, tastes yeah. like I'm going to be feeling it. Yes. Um, which, you know, which some other beers that we rank really high, I feel like sometimes we rank them really high because they're super crushable and like mm. the, the 16 ounce can just went down like, like water. Yeah. And sure. that's kind of a double edged sword. Like that's a really great thing in beer, but that's also sometimes not what you're looking for. Yeah. You got to respect the power. Exactly. And this is, this is like drinking straight bourbon after you've been sipping cocktails for a while. You're like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, oh that's, okay. right. that's right. That's That's what's in here. Yeah, this is what this thing is supposed to be like. Oh, that's why some people don't like craft beer when they first get into it. Mm -hmm. Beers like this. Totally. This is like one of those beers that could be a gatekeeper of a flavor to someone that's not super familiar with craft beer. But this is also a craft beer drinker's wet dream of just an aggressive West Coast IPA. Yeah, there's something so – I think it's a sweet flavor on the very beginning. And I'm having a hard time placing it, but there's a very – sort of round sweetness. Are you getting that at all? A little bit. I don't know. It's so obvious to me. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, it completely it's washes the dry away. hopping. I guess yeah. so, but it's bringing out yeah. something that I really enjoy, but it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it turns this whole drinking experience, uh, from, from nose to stomach, I guess, in, into one mm-hmm. sort of strange roller coaster of flavor. We also yeah. didn't point out that it's uh, I don't think we said the IBUs, but it's 74. So it's definitely up there uh, in case you couldn't yeah. tell by tasting it, which we can, but like they know what they're doing and that what they're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I like, like I said, the honesty of this beer, they're very upfront. This beer knows what it is. Totally. Um, and yeah, I think it is what it is and it has become, or it was manufactured to be exactly as advertised. And I think it really accomplishes that. Yeah. It's worth noting that we're drinking this, um, about what, maybe three weeks since it's been canned. So it's super fresh. Um, yeah. I have to imagine though, that with the flavors that I'm getting here, if we got this like two months, it would be significantly less delicious. 
and more so than just a regular one because there is so much of that uh, heavy maltiness kind of on the back end that I really think that would start coming out. So if you can get this one fresh, I would say I'll I'll start my kind of rating there. But like, definitely try it if you can. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's good to support these these local more. I'm I'm imagining they're pretty small. I don't see this is the first time I've ever seen them in distro. So yeah, I can't imagine they're you know moving and shaking the whole beer world with mass distro. Um, but yeah, they are kind of, I've definitely heard their name a lot. So they are an Oakland institution. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good to support them. I think it's definitely worth a try as well. Personally, I like this beer. It lends itself to the styles that I really enjoy drinking and that I seek out. Uh, so I would say definitely this is right up my alley, but this is also one like you have to be in a mood for like there's West coast IPAs, then there's West coast IPAs. Mm -hmm. Like the last beer from crowns and hops that we gave a 10 out of 10 uh what was that beer called uh elevated cypher elevated cypher like that was a 10 out of 10 and it's just like it's weird because they're both the same style and the same category but they're not you know like they are but they're not it's like yeah it's like looking at your grandpa and be like we're the same but look how different we are exactly it's like looking at me and then looking at like a russian gymnast we're like yeah (laughs) definitely different ends of the spectrum here sure um but i mean they're both good in their own ways but yeah this is definitely definitely super dry super bitter super like ugh, like i almost need like a sip of water after drinking half of this yeah yeah um, but if that's what you're in the market for which i am often this is uh, a killer beer yeah the brewery's been around since 2014 and i don't think that i've actually heard their name tossed around as much as you have but i'm also not as plugged into the craft beer scene certainly the oakland craft beer scene um but yeah i mean i think where'd you get it sns uh this was actually acquired at spikes bottle shop oh sweet okay um i also noted on their website i know that we've been steering away from uh putting price points in our brains before ratings but i already know it and you bought it so it doesn't matter um but i saw on their website they're doing four packs of this for 15 bucks which is i think a pretty pretty good deal and it also makes me think that they're probably not a huge brewery like you're saying yeah well i mean i don't know it's 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 hard to say they just maybe are operating in a system where they um maybe want to make a little bit less but hopefully sell more of their beer Mm. Um, because I mean, the standard four pack price for a beer like this would be 20 bucks. Yeah. So the fact that they're selling it for 15 just means that they want their beer in more people's hands. And maybe that, you know, that tells me they're not all about as profit focused as, you know, maybe some other breweries. It's, it's hard to say. I like the price point though, as a consumer, you yeah. gotta love that. Yeah. I'm just kind of scoping out their website, trying to get a, a feel for sort of the size and the space in general, but it looks like a great spot. They just opened up. It sounds like a, an outdoor, uh, tap room. Over on 3rd nice. Street in Oakland, which I assume was born out of COVID, but I'm not positive. Um, yeah. They close by like 8 o'clock, Friday, Saturdays kind of thing. So it seems like a laid back sort of, I see they have live music sometimes. So that's, oh, due to COVID, uh, COVID-19 operational challenges, we're only offering full pours. Sentence doesn't seem correct, but I love it. Only, well, as opposed to tasters. Oh, I guess maybe. Why would that matter? Uh, well, because like. I don't know, less dishes to wash. Yeah, maybe less maybe less interaction. Like I know a lot of places stop doing flights. Yeah, maybe that's what that's referring to. Yeah, is maybe like they don't do flights, they don't do like half pours or tasters. Yeah. Like you just you get a beer, that's your beer. Yeah, fine. I'm, I'm yeah. I like that. And if this were the this beer that I got, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. It's forcing people to commit. Sure. Yeah, which is always nice. <laughs> which is what I'm gonna do yeah. to you right now, uh, to a rating out of ten. 
Uh, out of ten, this beer is a seven point eight for me. Well, that's that's really nice. Why why is it not yeah. making it to the eights? Uh, because it is not something that I would. My I think the barometer for me to get into the eights is something I'm going to have to travel for. Yeah, like or, or trade for, or just like if I had to drive to Sacramento or Oakland to get it, I it's not in that ballpark where I'm going to go out of my way as far as driving that far to get it. Yeah. Um. That. Yeah, seven eight is like this is an awesome, you know, Monday night beer. Like, get off work, go to Spikes, grab one of these, cook a steak, crack a beer, you know, pet your cat. Life's good. That's <laughs> yeah. that's where this that's where this beer falls in for me. It's not something I'm gonna make a big road trip for. But still, seven eight. It's a it's, it's a damn good beer. If you like West Coast, super bitter, super strong uh, flavor. It's kind of like why I like Sierra Nevada's Hot Bullet. Mm-hmm. Like you drink that beer, you know what's happening. The beer's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's honest with what it is. Doesn't pull punches, doesn't lie to you, doesn't say I'm a smoothie. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm alcohol and I'm here for a good time, baby. So seven point eight. I'm here for a good time. Max, what's your rating? I'm I'm I think I'm gonna go with a flat seven. There is it's really well made. I'm here for what it's doing, but personally it's it's a style choice that sort of uh burns me out pretty quick. Like I I don't think I could drink two of these. Um, it's just oh, such an intense flavor, you know, and it's, that's all personal preference. Um, but for me, it's that sort of heaviness on the back end in particular that just gets a little bit taxing after a while, but it's super good. The flavors are there. I'm all about the dry hopping. It's a very well-made beer, but I'm going to land it on a solid, well-earned seven. We've been drinking too many white claws, boy. Maybe, but I'm, I'm not <laughs> mad about that either. <laughs> I'm not either. It's refreshing and not filling, but. Yeah, this is also one of those beers like a, a Hot Bullet or a Torpedo where you're going to feel a little bit bloated. Yeah. This is probably pretty high caloric content, but we don't talk about that. No, no, no. Show. That's not important. That's not part of our rating system. Uh, and just to no, be clear, this... Go ahead. That's the Weight Watchers podcast, bro. Yeah. Find that in a yeah. different feed. Um, exactly. This one, it says on the bottom of my can at least, was three ninety nine for the single pint. Is that right? Perfect. Yeah. Super affordable. Again, that's uh, it's in the weeds by Federation Brewing. You can find it if you're here in Chico at Spikes. I would imagine at other bottle shops as well. And I would even go so far as to imagine if you're between Chico and Oakland, it's probably at bottle shops there too. So get your hands on it. If you want, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, I'm going to play you a trailer for a movie that Johnny picked out this week in the spirit of spooky monster Halloween. That's a film called Love and Monsters. Oh my God. Amy, I love you. I'm gonna come find you. The day of the monster uprising was the day I lost everyone. Only a small fraction of humanity survived to move underground. I've been scanning for Amy the entire time. And now I finally found her. Hey, Amy, is that you? Oh my god. Hey. How far away is Amy's colony? 85 miles. It's an impossible journey. Everything will try to kill you. Don't fight. Just run and hide. Ah. Okay. You really got me going. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. You all alone? Me too. You don't have to talk about it. You want to come with me? Is that a samurai sword? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Listen to your instincts out here, man. What if I have terrible instincts? You'll die. 
know, super encouraging speech. You made it all this way for a girl, huh? You ever hear the term fools, Aaron? No! Amy, I miss you so much. We have lost this war. We could still take our world back. You're more of a survivor than I thought. That was a trailer for Love and Monsters, my pick this week. Seven years after the monster apocalypse, Joel Dawson, along with the rest of humanity, has been living underground ever since giant creatures took control of the land. After reconnecting over the radio with his high school girlfriend, Amy, who is now 80 miles away at a coastal colony, Joel begins to fall for her again. As he realizes that there's nothing left for him underground, he decides to venture out to Amy, despite all the dangerous monsters that stand in his way. Right. So this film's directed by Michael Matthews. It's his second feature film after 2017's Five Fingers for Marseille. Neither of us have seen that. And I don't know a whole lot about it outside of it being... Sounds dirty. Okay. Outside of it Is it an being, adult film? It is not an adult film. Uh, though it is a film for adults. It was a rated R, uh, I think drama set in sort of a Western situation, which is more than I can say um, for this one. Cause I was a little bit trying to figure out if this was a film, mostly like for adults to watch monster stuff or like more of a teenage movie. We'll get into that in a minute. As you mentioned, the main character's name is Joel Dawson played here by Dylan O'Brien. You also have Jessica Henwick playing his, uh, est- not estranged, but physically distanced, uh, maybe appropriately girlfriend, Amy, you have Michael Rooker from the walking dead who plays Clyde and his little, um, friend, who is not his daughter, but they basically have a father-daughter relationship played by Ariana Greenblatt. She plays Minnow. And you have Hero the Dog playing Boy. Uh, We watched this on Video On Demand. It came out available on all sorts of streaming platforms on October 16th. It's available to rent right now. Um, Johnny, this was your pick, so why don't you give me your take first? Yeah, so I went into this expecting a, you know, a monster movie with a somewhat you know, teenage love story was aware that it was PG 13 going in, but I was also aware that it had rated really high on some of the sources that we trust. So, you know, after watching this, I I'm going to say right off the top, I walked away really enjoying this movie. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it in the same way that sometimes as a person in this world, you have to eat cake for dinner. Sure. You have to just say, heck the rules. I'm going to just, imbibe in something that makes me feel really good and not worry about much else. Uh, This was a pretty cool movie overall. Visually, uh, it was pretty rad. I really liked a lot of the visuals in this movie. Could the plot have been stronger? Yes. Could the character development have been stronger? Sure. (laughs) But you know what? This was a really cute, fun, enjoyable, lighthearted monster movie. Mm -hmm. There's a sentence I've never said before. Right. Uh, it was fantastic with a couple beers and some popcorn, and uh, it didn't take itself too seriously, but it was entertaining enough. It had some great creatures, had a really redeeming dog. I mean, yep. a dog is like a good rug. It can really tie a room together. So overall, I think it was a saccharine sweet treat of a movie that uh, is not going to receive any critical acclaim 
but I still enjoyed immensely for the simple entertainment value and cool creatures that it gave me. So overall, I liked it. Max, hit me with your deep intellectual take on this. <laughs> I'll spoil this now. I don't really have one for this movie. I don't think it requires it. But I was, uh, unlike you, we juggled movies a little bit this week trying to figure out what we were going to watch. There was talk of going to the movie theater. Um, and then for scheduling reasons, that didn't work out. So I actually was sort of blindsided by this one. I didn't even watch the trailer. I just put it on thinking it might be a sort of Halloween-y appropriate movie. Um, and then it became clear that it's a sort of a monster adventure movie. Um, so I kind of, I mean, obviously went in with zero expectations, but then started forming expectations and I found that they weren't always correct. Like, I think the movie kind of changed, changed lanes a few times on me. And once I finally caught up to the rhythm of it and sort of the, the tone or the, or the various tones throughout it, like it is part romance story, like you're saying, part monster movie, part adventure quest. Um, and there's some like scary elements woven in there, but I definitely would never in a million years call it anything near a horror movie. Um, that said, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty endearing. Dylan O'Brien does a fairly good job with sort of the sort of doofy, funny dude that needs to find his inner courage to, you know, catch up with the woman he loves. So, like that stuff works. The dog stuff is great. Um, the monsters were okay. Like, I think at some point I started to expect that these monsters would be, um, really tactile and visceral feeling. And, and they felt some were, some were better than others. Um, there's a particular almost tremors like creature that I found pretty neat, but some of them, there's like a frog in the beginning that if you've seen the trailer, you've seen that I was like, okay, it's almost goofy. Um, so I had a little bit of a hard time latching onto the, the tense drama stuff when the monsters were a little goofy, but overall, like an enjoyable enough movie, it comes in at an hour and 49 minutes. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not taking up anybody's entire day which I think is good though. I also feel like it was stretched a little bit as it was. There were some maybe pacing issues and we can get into that when we start talking spoilers here. But, um, I, overall I thought it was fine. I probably won't watch it again, but it, you know, it was a fine movie to throw on. It was nice. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more monstery. Um, and you know, hindsight, I might've picked a different movie for our Halloween episode, sure. but there was not a great deal of fresh, horror available mm -hmm. at the moment especially mm -hmm. for streaming at home uh so we might follow up next week with actually a new horror movie of some kind i think that would be appropriate um but yeah for now i think this is uh that's our a good take on this movie i don't really have anything else to say as far as initial thoughts or whatever i think anything else discussion wise would be getting into spoiler territory so i'm gonna say we go ahead and rate this thing and then uh we'll, we'll get into a bit more of what we liked and didn't like about spoiler type things. Max, do you have a rating floating around in that cranium of yours? Before we do, I, I had, I had like one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Cause I think this movie kind of, I mean, you can certainly watch it from just like the, look, there's a movie that I can throw on with a couple beers and popcorn and, and call it good. But if I wanted to be a little bit more analytical into my feelings about it, I know I almost said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to try. <laughs> um, yeah, like get in your feelings. son. It's, it's all about sort of the relationships, right? Like he, he has this family in his bunker, is quote family. It's like, and there's a narration in the beginning, like everybody's kind of found their soulmate and I'm alone. And I had this one person that I was in a relationship with, and then we got separated. And now I have to go find that person. And we're all like, as the audience, like you guys haven't talked in seven years, like this is definitely going to come up. What are the odds you both feel the same way and whatever. Um, that's a natural part. But I, I think being able to buy into the motivation, number one, and then number two, like the relationships that affect that motivation, not only his girlfriend, but like the people he's in the bunker with and 
their perception of him. I think that wasn't laid out clearly enough for what happens later to really work for me. Um, in terms of like, um, um, you know, um, emotional weight possibly. Um, did, did, oh, we should also talk about, um, Clyde and, uh, and Minnow. Cause that's another mm-hmm. kind of a big relationship, like him learning to be in the, in the world again. Like, did that stuff work for you? Uh, it did. And it didn't, um, it did in that, like, I thought it was kind of cool and endearing that they became friends, but it didn't in that it was almost like such an immediate, like pure friendship. Right. Like I've seen so much survival horror that I'm like, oh, that little girl's going to try and eat him while he's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I call that my like preconceived bias as far as this category of film is concerned. But yeah, I was waiting for it to get like weird, especially because like I knew that dude's character from the walking dead. Yeah. He was not a good person. I don't know. He's the worst. Um, so yeah, I, I, I bought it a little, but then, you know, it was also hard to stomach, but also, you know, you kind of have to spend disbelief and accept things for what they are in this movie. As far as like people just like forming an alliance immediately and like not stabbing each other in the back at all. Like, um, at least, you know, for the majority of the relationships in this movie, they seem to have form quickly and like not give much time to breathe they're just hey i met you in the woods and now we're friends and i'm gonna teach you survival so totally it was a little unbelievable in the the speed at which the relationship was concreted but in the context of this movie i think it's fine uh yeah yes i i probably think that too but that is kind of what i was getting at like you have this huge like you you meet like eight characters straight away and then soon enough he kind of leaves the bunker and then you meet these two and he's like oh like now we're really good friends. Then they kind of part ways and it's like, okay, we got to meet some more people now. And yeah, it was just hard to latch on again, again, emotionally, like to, or invest maybe in, in the outcomes of a lot of these people's character arcs. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you, did this movie remind you of any other movies? I think probably a bunch. Um, there's one in particular. Uh, that I could not shake that this, even down to some of like the formula of the plot. I really? Was like, Oh, yeah, and uh, that movie yeah, is Zombieland. Oh, actually, I did catch myself every now and again, like when he wasn't on screen or like you just saw him from far away. I thought Michael Rooker was actually, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God. From, <laughs> I don't know, I can't think of it right now. Uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, because he kind of plays like the same sort of rugged, tough, probably divorced dude. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely beats. It doesn't hurt that it's in the apocalypse and there's bunkers and there's fun rules. little quips. Has all yeah, the rules. rules. The rules is a big one. I forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it owes a bit to that movie for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you're going to copy a formula of a movie, that's a good one to copy because it's a great movie. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but it was a little on the nose at some points for me. But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the like, take away a couple points for, like, a little bit too hardcore influence for, by Zombie okay. for me. sure. Well, if you're taking away a couple of points, where does that leave you out of 10? Uh, out of 10, I would say Love and Monsters for me. This movie is a 6.2. 6.2. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think that's a fair, yeah. like, you know, like you said, it's not going to be maybe sweeping any awards seasons, but it's fine. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I think it was a lot more wholesome than a lot of movies in this category just because of the PG 13 rating, but also just the content like it, it was definitely more wholesome than I expected. Like if this was rated R and it had more twists and turns, uh, I would not have been surprised. 
I was going to say, do you think it would have been better? It's easy to be like, yeah, more gore and stuff. But do you think it would have been a better movie if they were given an R rating and they were allowed to do whatever that means to you? Um, not with this writing. It would have had to be like almost a different script. And it would have had to have been a different movie. They yeah. could have made this movie uh, completely differently as R-rated, and it would have been cool. But I feel like it would have it would have relied a lot on. I don't know. You know what? Yeah, I think it would have been better rated R because mm. like there would have been higher stakes. You might have seen some characters get ripped apart by monsters. Uh, like there's just it would have added a different edge to it, and like some more in your face gritty consequence. Possibly adding, you know, the higher stakes, adding a bit more to the overall stakes. But I mean, then you're dealing with, you'd have to go different writer. It would be a different movie. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. What was the movie that we watched? I think we watched it together. We might have, if we didn't, forgive me. But it, at one point, everyone, it was like young people, and they were running from like zombies, I believe. And they ended up holding up in a mall at one point. You're not thinking like the classic zombie movie, which no, is escaping. It's me. recent. It's recent. And there was like bosses and there was like different gangs. And there was like a motorcycle gang. It was called Daybreak. It was a series. Daybreak? Oh, I haven't seen it. Yeah. That. It was a pretty cool series on Netflix. Yeah. that This kind of, kind of reminded me of the same vibe as that. But that dude's wearing the same outfit. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It's a very adventure, a teen adventure sort of outfit. Yeah, blue jeans, red shirt, white sleeves underneath it. Yeah, army green backpack. That that's like the kid in this movie's outfit to a T. Is it? Yeah. Um, coming back around to my number, I'd say just a flat five out of ten. Totally fine. Very enjoyable. Kind of hard to overthink. So throw it on if you got. A chance. How much was this to rent? I know you rented it on our podcast account, so I don't know how much it actually was. Uh, it was twenty bucks because yeah. it's the still in theaters thing, right? Like rate, so it's at home in theaters pricing, which is still not the worst. You're gonna pay yeah. that much at least to go, unless you're watching it by yourself. Um, but yeah, twenty bucks, not bad. Uh, like you said, it was really enjoyable. Um, maybe like I see how you rated it a five because like. A movie can be really enjoyable, but still like not that great. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not really gonna think about this movie much. Like it doesn't have any implications on my life, certainly or my relationships. So it's just a fun popcorn uh, monster movie around Halloween time. So for sure. I have a question to follow up with that. Mm-hmm. How many movies have we watched that have effects on your relationships? A lot. Please give me an example. Um, I mean, like any any heavy hitting movie. Uh, like any big drama, like what have we done uh, this year? Like uh, never really, sometimes always. Um, and I don't mean like I, once the movie finished, like I turned and like went and had this big moment of clarity with somebody, but like that movie made me shift the way that I thought about certain relationships with various women in my life in particular, like especially growing up, like you just, you changes the perspective that you've had about certain people or, or, or okay. people's experiences like that kind of stuff. Um, I think is very influential. So. Definitely. Okay, that makes more sense. When you said it changed my relationships, it made me think like, if you don't like this movie, we're not friends anymore. Oh. I was like, just curious, like, to what no. extent a relationship? Maybe more, just like more appropriate to say that you know your perspective was changed a bit. Sure. Yeah. But it does impact relationships. But it's your perspective towards those relationships that gets altered. So 
That makes sense because a good movie can really change the way you think about a lot of things. Yeah, I think that it probably almost always does, depending on the type of movie, obviously. But like, yeah, it, it informs um, your outlook on on life or yeah, relationships or love or whatever it might be. And this one doesn't do yeah. that, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, this one isn't a thinker. This one isn't uh, presenting any profound problems to be solved or not solved by our main characters. No, this yeah. was here to be seen and entertaining. So, all right, well, let's put the main portion of this movie to bed and jump into spoiler territory so we can talk about this without risk of ruining it for you all. So spoilers ahead as we enter the danger zone. Um, so this movie felt kind of long to me and again, it's only like an hour 49, but, but there's sort of this big buildup for him sort of questing the seven day trek across the open land and like finally meeting up with his, girlfriend and then it turns out there's the entire next bit of the movie yeah once we got there i was like oh shit i thought this should end now but now there's this whole other thing they have to do and deal with and i was like all right well let's let's see let's let this run its course so i liked how they added a bit of that like something weird's gonna happen with that whole captain guy with the the yacht like you kind of knew, like, once he got there, something was going to be weird. Like, either the he sh- that sh- the Amy was going to have, like, multiple kids or, like, you know, something wasn't going to go right. Like, you, there was this vibe the whole movie where it's like, you're just going to show up at someone's, you know, colony after seven years and, like, hope things are still all cool without really, like, discussing the circumstances or whatever. And then it gets thrown in that, like, these people showed up and they're going to take us to a better life. And you're like, okay, some weirdness is going to happen eventually. And that's kind of what I was expecting the whole time with like the, the survival horror type, you know, twists. Like you was saying, I was expecting one of those, those two people that he met on the road to just try and eat him in his sleep. So uh, you figured there was going to be some weirdness at some point. And, and we did get that with Amy being like, not super into him at all anymore, which I thought was kind of a bummer, but also, it was nice to not end it in like the the fairy tale bow. I feel like it said a little bit more like if there was any depth to this movie at all, it was in that he had to find himself in the midst of like being rejected, even in the apocalypse. You know, I thought that was interesting the way they kind of spun that like don't settle even in the apocalypse, like got to do what's right for you. So I thought that was interesting at least, but then like, I don't know. What did you think? Did that whole beach thing work for you with the, the, what are the cap, the guy, the guy that brewed his own beer? Yeah. The captain dude or whatever, the, the suave Australian sexy guy that we thought uh, was very intimidating for um, our main character's girlfriend. Like the beach stuff I think worked. Cause you're, I mean, even what you were talking about, like we have sort of expectations that somebody's going to betray somebody cause it's the apocalypse. And like some people are selfish. Like, yeah, when we found out that, like, of course, he's, like, going to poison these people and sacrifice them to his giant boat-pulling crab. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Like, good. That worked. I think most of the final act worked pretty well. Okay. So it didn't feel like it got long for you? I mean, not – I think once that part started, it was fine. Um, do you mean the movie or do you mean that final sequence? Both. Yeah, I mean, the movie felt long. Like, Because part of the fun of this movie is seeing sort of the monsters and, and how we're going to – get out of this situation. Um, I think you probably could have gotten rid of maybe one or two. Like the snail thing was fun and the sky jellyfish thing was really cool. Um, I loved the sky jellyfish. Yeah. Great visuals. That part was, that That might've been my, yeah, 
Yep. Sorry. That might have been my favorite scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a very touching scene with that robot, too. Yeah. Very sweet. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I would have cut out maybe one of the monster sequences, like probably the the pit that he falls into and like just leave it with the big worm and the weird centipede and the but toad. That was important because they had to rescue him from that hole, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, then maybe sacrifice the big worm. I'd get rid of something so, so that by the time you see kind of this final, the crab thing, it's like, oh, another bigger creature than we've ever seen before. Maybe less monsters or maybe the answer is more monsters. If you can fit more monsters into less time, then I'm super down. That would have made it more action packed and not feel slow. I did like because go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I thought it would have been cool to have him like there were no flying insects. Thank God. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. I was waiting for like the mutated dragonflies to show up. Yeah. That would have been dope. So I think honestly, they could have gone more monsters, less like filler dialogue and, and maybe even like less background, like plot and just go like more like that whole sequence of him, that seven day journey. And he only encountered three monsters. Like to me, that was unbelievable. There should have been like mutated mosquitoes and ants and like, he should have been running from something weird or fighting something weird almost the whole time. Well, there were like little bugs and stuff in the background. And I would just be afraid that if we did skew that too far in that direction, that I lose caring about him at all. Like I need the background a little bit. Like I like the flashbacks with his parents and kind of how he got there. And I, I think, I think to the movie's credit, like they had a pretty good amount of um, backstory for his character, at least maybe not everybody else, but like I felt invested enough in the character. So I'm fine with that. I yeah. also really liked that the crab, like the solution to the crab wasn't blow it up as hard as you can. It was like, whoa, goodness in creatures. And maybe, maybe we are the real monsters. Dun, dun, dun. The, the three mercenaries were something. I mean, the, the captain and his two sort of cronies did that. The fight scenes I thought were pretty like the hand to hand combat stuff. Uh, yeah. that worked for me too. That worked. Yeah. For you? It wasn't the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Yeah. Like I, th- what did you think of like the, the actual effects, the, the the CGI of the monsters? Anyone? What was your favorite monster? Maybe your least favorite? I really liked the the like the centipede mm-hmm. that like emerged from that was like probably my favorite one. Like the crab visually was really cool too. Um, but I think probably the centipede, the crab, and the jellyfish were my three favorites. Yeah, some so gross about the centipede. They really keyed into whatever creep factor is involved in a centipede. Yeah. They're really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also a good setting for it. It was kind of sort of like a gloomy. Uh, I felt like it was an old amusement park, but or like a, maybe just like, a normal park. Like an old summer camp. It definitely yeah, had that's like, right. a, that's like right. a Camp Crystal Lake from Friday the 13th vibe. Nice. Nice Halloween time. Uh, well, I shouldn't say Halloween because that's a whole different type of movie, but a Halloween Ho- time of year. Movie. Yeah. Horror movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It was fine. You have anything uh, else specifically you want to talk about with this one? Um, I don't think so, man. There wasn't anything like shocking at the end that, you know, I think I'm honestly, I'm there with this movie. I think we can put it to bed. Yeah. I just like that. He had his hero moment. Like, cause if his whole thing was like going to find courage and like find family, he realized he had his family the whole time and was able to sort of go like, I just came here to save the day and now I'm out of here. Let's go boy dog. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, okay. Well then I'm, I'm good as well. If you guys have a chance to catch up with love and monsters and, uh, want to, want to let us know what you think, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, all the information at the top of the episode is where you can get a hold of us in the meantime, Johnny, let's take a break. And then, uh, I think it'll be about time for another beer. I agree with that. Let's do it. 
Johnny, you've been out there for a couple of days. You've encountered monsters, you've defeated them, and it sounds like you're probably hungry and thirsty for a good beer. Well, fear not, my friend, just over the next hill and past the next big scary worm monster. It's The Handlebar, a great craft beer bar and restaurant here in Chico, California at 2070 East 20th Street. And in case anybody's forgotten, Johnny, tell them what their happy hour is. Yes, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get some money off of craft beer, off of cocktails, and half off bottles of wine. It's the best bargain in this monster-filled land. You can't ask for more. Take your spooky friends down there for a Halloween drink tomorrow night on Halloween. 2070 East 20th Street, Handlebar Chico. Johnny Summers, before we get into beer number two, I'm going to play you a trailer for that beer, which I believe is a first on this podcast. So here's a trailer for the highly acclaimed KBS Espresso. How is KBS Espresso different than the standard KBS? Well, we hit it with a whole lot of espresso. We really wanted to come over the top and be just an extra level of coffee on top. Yeah, if you're going to do a variant, you should, uh, you know, make sure it at least stands out from the original. I don't know, KBS is kind of a well-balanced thing, isn't it? It's, right. I mean, that was the goal of that beer, to get that coffee and that chocolate. You want to be able to taste it all. This is a complex beer that just got even more complex. You get this little extra roastiness, and then, to me, it really sits on top of the other flavors that are already there. I mean, whiskey still comes through, so you get all the vanilla and the flavors that you get from the barrel aging, and then you just get this extra espresso-y kind of roast coffee burn. The goal was to go over-the-top coffee flavor, so the espresso beans seemed like the appropriate call there. All right, so that was a trailer for KBS Espresso. Yeah, that's right. It's a beer. A trailer. A trailer. That's, that's cool. right. Deal with it. It is what it is. And it is KBS Espresso. It's brewed by Founders Brewing out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's an imperial stout, obviously with some adjuncts in it. It is barrel-aged as well, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. And it is 12%. KBS gets its coffee fix in the very first variant to come from our beloved bourbon barrel-aged stout. Yes, KBS may already be brewed with coffee, but it gets some extra oomph when it's aged on espresso beans after being removed from barrels. The result is a fresh and snappy coffee twist on our classical, classic barrel-aged beer. Yeah, it's classical. Who says you can't start your day with a barrel-aged stout? Well, mainly my boss. My my sponsor? Certainly. Jesus, <laughs> did you just take this to AA? That's aggressive. I mean, it was too much. Let's go back to boss. Yours was better. Okay. Um, or hey, your let's or your wife or let's your talk husband. About, let's talk about KBS. Or your for children a might frown on that. <laughs> yeah, basically anybody. You can't crack a twelve percent stout in the morning. You insane people at Founders. Yeah. Um, KBS obviously, if it wasn't clear by that description, is a beer in and of itself, and this happens to be the espresso adjunct version. But we, we've. You and I definitely have had KBS before. I think we've even done it on the podcast. Can you confirm or deny that? Yeah, we have. Okay. No chance you just happen to know what episode. Nope. Cool. Well, you can go check it out on our website if you want to hear our review of that beer. It's sort of a world famous, certainly nationally famous, um, Imperial Stout. It's sort of one of the standards as I understand it. Um, and it's a fantastic beer. I, I think it's obviously huge. I think it's a similar ABV, if not a little bit more. That can't be right. It's probably right around there. I can look it up. Um, but we're both fans of it, and I'm, I'm hoping that this beer stacks up. Uh, we're obviously both big fans of coffee, obviously, if you've listened um, to the show in the past. But, like, sometimes a coffee adjunct stout can get way too bitter and way too sort of diner coffee, diner coffee-y. 
Um, yep. And I don't, I'm really crossing my fingers here that this is not the case, but you know, you never know. So have you tried it? I have. And while you're trying yours, I'm going to tell everyone through the magic of our, our production assistant, uh, I was just enlightened that we did this episode or this beer way back when we were just podcast babies on episode 18, we covered the movie, the founder mm, and we mm-hmm. did founders brewing. We did three beers from them. We did Azaka, backwoods bastard and KBS. And that was way back in February, 2016. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. I knew we did it. There we go. Yep. Uh, man, that was back when we were pairing uh, movies with breweries. Yep. Too much effort though, isn't it? Yeah. It says the movie came out in 2016 and this episode dropped in 2017. So I don't yeah. know what the discrepancy is there. I bet you, um, are you on, are, where are you looking? I'm on Patreon. Oh, um, so yeah. The I don't post know was, yeah, it doesn't matter. Episode 18. It was likely February of, uh, 2017 is my guess. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, it's also before we put our ratings in the episode description, so we can't even see what we rated it. But again, safe to say, pretty high. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember, I don't like Azaka. I didn't like that beer. I remember you being so jazzed on it. Yeah. It's it's a single hop beer that if you don't like that single hop, it's just it's just not for you. Totally. Um, KBS Espresso, though. I've tasted it. It is, it's about kind of what I expected on, on the, the good side of the expectations. It's, it's pretty round. It's not necessarily overly bitter or, or too coffee forward. Um, it's, it's nice. First impressions is relatively favorable. I think. What about you? Uh, same. It is nice. It's, it's definitely got the espresso flavor that I like. Uh, I mean, when you age a beer on coffee beans, what you're essentially doing is steeping the bean like you would a cold brew. So, mm. I, you're not going to get as much acid out of the beans. It's going right. to add like a really mellow um, and enjoyable coffee flavor, which I think is a really smart way to do it. Uh, there's actually been some stouts from Moxa. They um, added cold brewed coffee to the beer, which was really interesting. Yeah, that uh, changed the yeah changed the mouthfeel quite a bit, but it was interesting. Um, this beer is good. It's not as thick as I'd like it to be. I think my number one complaint right off the bat is yeah. mouthfeel. Uh, but I'm getting plenty of the espresso. Um, it does not come across as 12%, I'd say. I'd say it, it, if I had to guess, I'd say like 8 or 10% on this. Um, but it is nice. I, I'm I'm not saying it's my favorite stout I've ever had, but it's nice. I think they're pretty nice with it. I think on, on the nose is where I'm getting most of the chocolate. Like there's a distinct chocolate smell but also if you really take it in i am almost picking up like like a rubbing alcohol kind of scent yeah which is yep. not ideal uh no especially when you want to be thinking bourbon barrels i don't want to be thinking yeah. uh you know a stainless steel vodka still which is kind of what it smells like yeah it does it and honestly to me it has a little bit of a stridency on the the palate too mm. it it tastes a little boozy little alcoholy and not whiskey no, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have that sort of smooth vanilla thing that you want from bourbon. It it does feel more like, yeah, like more of a biting sort of sort of um, yeah, like rubbing alcohol kind of vibe going on. Yeah, and the first thing I get like when I take a sip of this is almost a tang. Totally. Like, yep. Like a a weird tang, which in in a stout like a barrel aged stout, I don't want the first thing to be tasted tang. No, it's very oh, bright. Man. It's a bright beer. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily good for this style. I'd say it's bad. Yeah, for this style. I'm gonna, 
go ahead and just take that a step further and say it's not good. Uh, it's yeah. So I mean, I had to dig for the the alcohol on the nose, that weird part of it. Like I'm with you though; it's not the thickest stout. It's um certainly doesn't feel like twelve. Um, but it's not necessarily offensive. Just taking a drink if you don't try to dig too deep into it. I don't think. But I'm gonna have another drink. Yeah, I don't know. It smells okay. It doesn't smell great. I'm not really loving the way it smells. Yeah, I just went back to tasting. I, you know, it is that that tang when you brought it up is like it's pretty pretty there. No, it's an immediate tang like sour coffee. Yeah, shoot, that's a bummer. Uh, yeah. This, yeah, it's leaving me less and less enthused about this one. There's so many good coffee stouts on the market right now. Totally, that, like you you have to bring your A game. And like having it taste like sour coffee right off the bat is not the way to get that done, man. It's pretty not carbonated too. Yeah, it's it's yeah. this is. I don't think this is a good beer, Max. I don't think it's a good beer at all. I agree. But uh, how think, bad is it? Um. Well, should we refer to the Nick Land for locometer? I don't think I'm down that far. Okay, because that's so it's a, not in it, that was three three and below kind of or two and below maybe. It depends. It's person. It's to each his own for locometer preference. Fair. Um, yeah, man. It's. Uh, I don't think it's there for me. I think I'd still rather drink this than a four loco. It's also worth noting this was bottled in April of this year. So uh, mm-hmm. what is that? Uh, six months or so. Yeah. Should it should have mellowed out quite a bit if those are flavors that were stronger. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's it's. I'm I'm gonna rate it out of ten, and I'm not gonna go go into the four locometer yet. But it's it's like a. Uh, three and a half. It's I'm going to pick a three or a four. I'm just trying to decide. I think, I think cause I'm going to finish what's in my glass. It's probably a four, but I'm not going to pour anymore. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say four. That seems high. I think I have to say three. Yeah, that's high. I think I have to go with the three. That sucks, but it's, it is what it is. Um, yeah, man. For me, hmm. upon further examination and deep inward evaluation of my myself and my heart and my soul, this beer is going to get onto the Nickland Four Locometer for me. Round of applause for the Four Locometer. Okay, good. Um, this beer clocks in for me at like a two point three. Two point three. Um, the redeeming qualities do not outweigh uh, the, the incriminating ones in the spear yeah man it's just that i it has some of the notes in coffee that turn me off the fastest yeah in yep. that it's sour and it's just not pleasing to the mouth at all yeah and like when you're dealing with a stout that is sour either it's really poorly made or it's infected and both of those things are completely unacceptable so um, I mean, just that initial just tang of the coffee trying to be like this. You need like a, a roasty, smooth, nutty coffee yep. vibe. Yep. Uh, you don't need that tang, man. I want like a nice medium roast with like some dark to milk chocolate notes in my stout. To me, I don't know what coffee they used, but maybe they just paired the wrong kind of coffee with this stout. Folgers, but baby. End- yeah, right? Yeah. Like. Folgers instant, bro. Yeah. But the end result for me is just really undesirable. And um, is a 
And I would, in fact, rather drink a Four loco than finish this. It's weird that they wrote in their description that the result is a fresh and snappy coffee twist. I, that's a weird, those are a weird couple descriptions descriptions of, of coffee snappy. That's weird. Yeah. I don't want coffee to be snappy. I don't think so either. I want it to be, no. I want it to be sort of like pondering and, 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 uh, deeply, deeply, uh, thoughtful. Like that would be like a, good, a, like a rich mahogany. Yeah. I want it to be like a, I want it to feel like I'm sitting in a, in a library full of encyclopedias with Oak. That's what I want my coffee, yeah. but not like, snappy feels like I'm going to Dutch brothers, which yeah. nothing against that. If that's your thing, but I think even Dutch brothers fans might agree that it's like not the benchmark for quality coffee, much less coffee you'd add to a world-class Imperial stout. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Exactly. Snappy. snappy. Weird. No, I want my energy drinks to be snappy. I want a vodka Red Bull. I want my snappy. four locos to be snappy. I want a four loco to be snappy. As you should. Uh, I don't want my coffee stouts to be snappy. No. I want them to be rich and deep and chocolatey and not sour. So, yeah, man, I would rather drink a four loco than this. That is a uh, an affirmative. It has landed on the Nick Land four locometer. So then two questions. How much was it? Where'd you get it? This was $5.69 per 12-ounce bottle, and this was acquired at S&S Produce right here in town. Yeah, it's a beer that I'm, I was – when I put it in, in the fridge before we started the episode just to hang out, I put it next to – because it was the the closest open space. Um, I believe it was a, a Noir from Prairie or okay. maybe a Vanilla Noir. Mm-hmm. And those beers go for like 10 or 11 bucks. They're yep. a similar – there's an Imperial Stout also with adjuncts. Uh, similar ABV. And when I checked, cause the price tag is still on, on this bottle that you gave me, I was like five sixty nine. either feels like a, an amazing deal or more likely probably what this is worth too cheap. It's yeah. And I guess it, yeah. it's still too expensive for what we're drinking, but if it were like 11 bucks, I would have been mortified. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Well that's KBS espresso. Get it um, wherever you can. Let us know what you think if you'd like to, but I think we can both safely say spend your money elsewhere unless you're feeling snappy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get to this part of the show. We're going to talk about our second movie of the week after a trailer. And I will give you the short name now, which is Borat subsequent movie film. Johnny saw it. He's going to give us our take right after this. Fourteen year ago, I released a movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! What do you say? No, it's not me. People may recognize my face. I would need disguises. This man is a sex criminal? No, I'm not sex criminal. I will take this to be a fat <laughs> like American man. Yeah? This is a good one. <laughs> Where is his crumb? What is problem, officer? That's somebody that's strapped to the top of your car. He's in that passenger seat, boss. Only men and bears are allowed inside car. I'm here to give my daughter as a gift to someone close to the throne. I need dress with real sexy peels. Uh, this is a bag that just goes mm, over the dress. Very nice. I really like this. Let us present Sandra Jessica Parker Drummond. I want this one with the baby on it. Oh. I have a baby inside me. 
Can you take it off? No, we cannot. That's not what we do here. I feel bad because I was the one who put the baby in her. Did you ever put one in your daughter? No, I did not. Where is everybody? They're wanting everybody to quarantine so they don't spread this virus. Could I stay in your home? I hope quarantine mm-hmm. never ends. What is more dangerous, this uh, virus or the Democrat? Democrats. Democrats. What's I'm t- killing some of the virus. No, you can't see the virus. No, it's still there. If you think you see a virus go like that, this makes the virus sleepy. And then when it's sleeping... Your daddy has a lot to learn. My daddy is the smartest person in the whole flat world. (laughs) While the risk of coronavirus remains low, as the president said yesterday, we're ready for anything. Michael Penis, I brought the girl for you. Borat subsequent movie film. You fist me. Uh, now I fist you? Right, there you what go. do you prefer? You fist me or I fist you? Same time. Fist each other. There, yeah, you, go. there you go. Okay, that was the trailer for the film, which the original title was Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. This film was the sequel to Borat. This was directed by Jason Wolliner, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Somehow we're talking about him two weeks in a row on this show uh, in very different roles from The Trial of the Chicago 7 to now. This came out on Amazon Prime on October 23rd, and it runs a actually relatively short hour and 35 minutes. I have not seen this, nor am I a fan of the original Borat, but Johnny watched it, uh, and we're going to have a discussion. Johnny, um, I guess tell me first what you thought of the original Borat and then get into your feelings on this one. Uh, Okay, so original Borat. I really enjoyed it. I have enjoyed Sasha Baron Cohen's humor and satire in its employment to shine a light on the absurd and the absurd normalcy with which we live in. Uh, And the the nature of his satire I've always found really appealing. I loved Borat. I thought it was not only hilarious, but I thought it was a yeah, this is a funny thing to say, but I thought it was a very smartly made movie. I think to use comedy and satire in the most over-the-top ridiculous way to point out the flaws in things that you're wanting to point out is very intelligent uh, in its design and that it could be conceived and perceived as just idiocy when in fact it is um, a scathing satire and a very harsh judgment on certain things about society. And in Borat, the original film's case, America as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and Borat, the original one, was a very bright light shined on the ease with which the American people accept anti-Semitism. Mm. Uh, and if you look at it through that lens, which is what he has been on record as saying his comedy is for is to shine a light on these issues and these, the accepting of these absurd things. And he touches on that some in the second one, then you have to look at it as massively intelligent satire, even though it's delivered in a very idiotic way. It's almost as if it's delivered in such an idiotic way to make it palatable for the American people that it's in fact poking fun at, which is in itself satirical. So there's layers to it, and I think it's not as simple as what you see on the surface. And if you actually think about the content, 
and what he's going for. I think the first movie is it's hilarious, first of all, but also it's it's profound in its satire. So I, I liked the first one quite a bit. So then um, if I understood the trailer and things that I've read correctly, the second one is sort of born out of this character's um, shame that he brought to Kazakhstan, right? And he has to make up for that, for his country. Yes. He goes back to America to offer his daughter up as 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 a bride-type tribute to somebody. Yeah, as a gift sure. to, okay. to Donald Trump, I believe. Okay. I think, yeah, uh, I think it's Mike Pence. I, I think it is. You're right. It is Mike Pence. Um, yeah. And also, and this, it's like it takes ahead. place during the, like a lot of this filming took place during 2020, during COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, hearing what you just said about the first one, watching the trailer for the second with that in mind, it's easy to watch it and be like, or at least the trailer, like, maybe this is social commentary on American any number of things the the bipartisanship we have in in our democracy or or the divisiveness we have um, as a people right now or um any number of things that i think probably do come up in this movie am, am i picking up the right vibe yes okay yes you are yeah and it, it's it's just absolutely hilarious and scathing satire pointed right at right at us right at america and everything that this country is and uh, the uh, um, objectivity with which that satire is shined upon us is refreshing because it's going after, you know, everyone and all the ridiculous things, not just one side or the other, but just the, the ridiculousness of American life. And um, I thought it was probably the funniest movie I've seen this year and also one of, like, the most, like, oof, like, wow, it really do be like that in this country. Like, this is hard to watch. But, like, he's poking fun at it. And, like, sometimes comedy is saying the one thing you're not supposed to say or doing the thing you're not supposed to do. In a comedic context, I feel like, for me personally, comedy has always pushed the boundaries. And that can be the definition of comedy is saying what you're not supposed to, doing what you're not supposed to. And for me... It's judged against the context context with which it is presented. So in the context of this movie and the satire it's presenting, uh, there's a lot of wiggle room for me as far as the limits of comedy that they can push. Uh, this movie deals with women's rights. It deals with politics, uh, racial bias, all kinds of things. And then it gets into like the coronavirus and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's hilarious and it's... Um, mortifying at the same time so i feel like it's not just a silly dumb comedy movie it's also uh very very relevant uh fact giving meets satire it's 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 a really interesting thing that he's created in that it's it's shining this light but in a comedic way but also a sobering way it's a really strange balance that he strikes but i think 100 percent that if you look at it through that lens and you take the comedy with the grain of salt with which I believe it is intended to be consumed that you in fact would really enjoy this movie, Max. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I will all, all it's been years. I don't think I've ever actually seen Borat all the way through. I just remember being like really off put by sort of the crudeness of it all. Um, But I will say that after watching that trailer, like I'm much more open to the idea of watching the second one. Um, 
I'll check it out. I'll say that I will watch it. Cool. I because I think crudeness with a point can serve a purpose. I agree. And I think you should look into like some of what Sasha Baron Cohen is all about. Uh, he's actually a really well spoken person. Yeah. And there's yeah. Like I really actually kind of respect him as an artist. And uh, yeah, man, I I. I appreciate it. I think you should watch this movie. I'd like to watch it with you sometime. That'd be fun. I'd watch it again easily. Um, you don't just go around quoting it. You're not. You're not like the kind of person that just goes very nice out of the blue, are you? No, I used to be. <laughs> sometimes, I feel like, like the trifecta of easy quotes that are said by generally like late twenties white dudes are like very nice, or like do we just become not best why. friends, or like. Um, anything from anchorman yeah i have a hard time i did with just those quotes. <laughs> i did just say did we just become best friends like within the last week yeah it's just you know but i just it's such an easy quote everybody does it and it's like I don't know. yeah but the answer was yes because there was <laughs> actually so much room for activities sure 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 it's made me want to watch borat less no, it was in a situation where those were all actually applicable and yeah. it was actually funny. Well, people say um, them when they're applicable. It's just like everybody said them. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's been done. It's not original. It's it's still funny though. Damn it. Do you have any more any more thoughts on this? Um, I think everyone should watch it. That's okay with like a hard R. I mean, it was definitely I think he might have used, I mean, the crudeness in the first movie you're referring to, was it more physical comedy or language? I remember the hotel scene being very bothersome. I don't remember the hotel scene. Didn't, I think it's that movie. It's either that or one of his other ones, but no, where he wrestles his uh, big friend naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in that movie, right? Yeah. Like that kind of bothered me. I actually was reading an interview and this maybe this speaks to some weird thing in my brain that doesn't quite make sense. But like I said, this is directed by Jason Woliner, who is credited on, I think, directing or or helping produce several episodes of Nathan For You, which is one of my favorite shows ever. But it's all about sort of uh, the, the main host or the main host, the, yeah, the main guy, Nathan, um, sort of setting up these insanely ridiculous schemes for small business people and and under the guise of like trying to help them. But as an audience, we're all just like laughing at them. Um, mm-hmm. And for some reason that's fine with me, but when it's done in this context, I don't know why it bothers me, but like there's, there's at this point, this movie has been out for a little bit here and there's so many exposés and interviews with people that are like, I didn't know what I was basically signing up for when I agreed to do this movie. Um, like I thought it was a serious documentary or whatever. I was like actually helping his daughter with a beauty makeover and that's all fine. Most of it's good. But then I read one, that was like, and I think it's in this movie too, or maybe it was in the first one, but I'm pretty sure it was this one where he sits down with like one of the oldest living survivors of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And then she, between that interview and the time the movie came out died. And like some of her last wishes were like, I, I do not want to be represented like this. If I knew this was a joke about the Holocaust, kind of, I wouldn't have agreed Mm. to it. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, I don't, I guess like take everything in context and, and appreciate it for what it is. But when it comes to certain topics, I think I have a harder time um, dressing it up as like, yeah, satire, I guess. It's like on paper, I don't think things should be off limits comedically, but uh, in the same way that the First Amendment guarantees free speech, like people are going to have reactions to certain things. And I think I'm aware of some of my uh, unconscious uh, reactions to stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that I think also bothered me in the first is some of that more uh, hot buttony stuff that gets brought up. 
Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, it all just depends on what lens you're looking at it through. Like, mm-hmm. if you're looking at this as a a movie that's a a comedy that's just trying to be funny and making like shitty cheap jokes, I think it would leave a significantly worse taste in your mouth than if you look at it through the lens of it being like satire. So I just rewatched Black Klansman, which okay. uh, is technically a comedy, but it's based on mm-hmm. if you don't if you haven't seen the movie, it's the true story of the first black man to ever be on the police force, um, some town in Colorado, I can't remember, but he basically yeah. infiltrates the KKK and it's all dressed up and it's very funny. And some KKK stuff happens like some traditional like cross burning and, and they watch the birth of a nation and it, it gets very somber for a minute, but then it's all about jokes again. But by the end it ties up to like modern day, um, like real world events. And it ties this bow of a message on the movie. And I mm-hmm. think the distinction that I would make in a movie like Borat based on my recollection is that there's never that sort of aha moment. Like we're all making fun of these people. It was still just kind of like, we're laughing at it and it never quite reached that level of clarity uh, ethically. As Mm. I recall. Yeah. I feel like the, the second Borat film had a bit more clear direction. Yeah. I feel like it was a bit more concise in its writing and its execution. So I think overall it's probably a bit stronger of a movie. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm super open to that being a possibility. So I'll, I'll touch back about around on it uh, for next week's episode. Right on. That sounds good, man. Sweet. Again, it's on, if I'm not mistaken, Amazon prime, right? Yep. And I think it's included with that membership. You can probably, if you don't have prime uh, rent it somewhere. Um, but again, that's Borat subsequent movie film. Let's move into hot and bothered. Let's do it, man. All right. What you got? Uh, just a couple things, man. I, uh, I expanded my setup for my, my record player. I actually acquired a powered subwoofer Nice to add some low end to my spicy doom records and my, you know, contemporary jazz. Sure. Of course. Uh, yeah, it was nice though. Cause the speakers I had were really heavy on the high end and mm-hmm. mids and they had no low end like body. So it really just yeah. rounded out my whole sound. And the next thing I would get is like a little, like a four, like a, a mixer of some kind to just tweak the levels a little bit. Nice. But for now, I'm really excited with where that's at. And that was a thrift store find. I found it uh, for like $5, like a 50 watt powered sub Sweet. at a thrift store. So that was super dope. Uh, also, I am super deep into a new show called Yellowstone. Ah, new to you. Yeah, new to me. It's been out for a while. What's it about? It's got th- uh, there's three seasons out, and mm. it's about a super old, rich, white family in Montana that's, like, got this ranch that's, like, three million acres or some ridiculous shit in, yeah. in Montana. And um, it's got this really weird, like, formulaic quality to it. Like, it's very much like Sons of Anarchy, but with horses. Yeah, okay. Um, sure, that makes sense. Like, almost identical. Yeah. Like, one of the main characters in Sons of Anarchy actually wrote this show and directed it. Oh. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay that makes sense. So it's been really fun making up puns for this show. Like... Hey, honey, do you want to watch some Horses of Anarchy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, you know, some Sons of Mares. Sure. It's, it's been fun. So uh, it's also a pretty good show. It starts Kevin Costner and a few other semi-recognizable actors. But, uh, you know, it's, I like it, and I'm not sure why. So the jury's still kind of out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm still getting to the point and, like, the meat of it. It's a lot of buildup. But I'm, like, five or six episodes into the first season. So Nice. Yeah. So I'll, I'll follow back on that, but I think it's one that, 
I might really like or I might disregard completely. It's weird. The show's a coin toss for me right now. Where are you watching it? Uh, on Paramount TV. Oh. You can rent it. It's like 20 bucks a season on Amazon. Okay, sweet. So, yeah, you could either pay like 2 bucks an episode or like 20 bucks for the whole season. Cool. So I'd love, that's to, what yeah, I'd love to know when you, uh, when you sort of land uh, positive or negative. Or not positive or negative, but if you're going to see it through or not. Because I know a few friends that have watched it. Um, but they're all like big into horses anyways. So oh. I can't get a good read. Like, is it, did you just like it for the horses? And I don't even think they know. Cause at some point, if you're just watching an awesome ranch horse thing in Montana, like that's maybe enough for you. That's not it yeah, for like me. It's just, so it's just beautiful, but I, yeah. I definitely need more substance. Totally. Like it's to the point where I'm like, I'm six episodes in and I know that this family is like, does like, I'm waiting for the point. Yeah. Like this family does like it feels like they do some sort of crime, but we don't know <laughs> what. Okay. Like it's it's all like implied and they've got like criminals that work for them that yeah. like if they have to fire somebody off the ranch, they like kill them. Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, but fucking why, bud?" Yeah. Like maybe they're, they're that like, good oh, of a mafia family. Like you don't even as a viewer, you're not even sure what they're about. That's Yeah, the well as of right now, it's all implied and they're like He's been here too long. He's seen too much. I'm like, too much of what? Horses? I don't know what's going on. Show me. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if it's something, like, stupid, like, they just, like, counterfeit turquoise or something, I'm just going to give up completely. So what would it take for you to stick around? What kind of crime would they have to be committing? Uh, High-level stuff, man, because this dude's, like, like, Kevin Costner's so, like, loaded. He's got this millions and millions of acres in this giant log cabin castle thing he lives in. Mm-hmm. And like he has a private helicopter that just lands in front of his house and flies him everywhere. Oh, you should start with that. He's that they're that kind of rich. They're that kind of rich. Okay. Like, yeah. It's like a ranch, but it's also like this dude flies everywhere in a chopper. Like, what's going on here? Like, and I'm imagining like the shoe's gonna drop and it's gonna be like some crazy shit. But until that does, and it's all implied, and I'm still just like, I don't know what's going on, but it's cool. Like the the writing's good, the character development's really good, but we're still like not fully aware of what's going on. So it's a weird place to be. But I was out of shows. I've finished everything I had started. Like at this point, I need show recommendations, like for yeah. YouTube, Hulu, or not YouTube. Well, YouTube, sure, why yeah, not? I got stuff. Uh, yeah, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. If there's anything out there that you guys are watching, uh, let me know. And if I've already watched it, I'll tell you, and I'll be like, come back, do better. Uh, Fair, but but for now, yeah. Are you watching anything? Like, is that? Are you any? Are you into any series that I should be hip to? Like, no, not really, man. Like, like I, I've when I find myself with free time, I often like I've been. When I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch a movie. I will go for a movie. And I've been trying to work my way through the A24 catalog, um, mm. the distro company that we like. They just, I think, released their 100th movie. I can't think of what it is, but they just hit 100 movies out. And I've seen like 40 of them, I think. Um, okay. So I definitely have some work to do. There's some great horror movies in their lineup, though, that I will probably um, send your way once I've watched them, if they're good. Do it. I hear Or send good. them to my way before, because sure. I need movies to watch, sure. too. Yeah. Um, that could be end up some end up being something we talk about on the show. Absolutely. So. so while I haven't watched um, too many shows recently, I actually caught up with an old movie that I had never seen, but was suggested I put on, which is 2005's Domino. Are you aware Ooh, of this movie? Kira Knightley all day, son. So yeah, so it's 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 a movie 2005 directed by Tony Scott, who is the guy behind uh, Top Gun, um, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, 
Deja Vu, Man on Fire. Um, a lot of these really great movies from sort of the early 90s. And yeah. I just was not aware of Domino. Um, and if you are like me, uh, Johnny, like you said, it stars Kira Knightley. Um, and it's a sort of action crime movie um, with lots of sort of loop-de-loops and, and plot twists. And it's very it's very um, early 2000s looking. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of tough to watch now. It just looks like kind of clumsily edited sometimes, but yeah. it's, it's meant to be really sort of highbrow and like kind of spy and like, you know, you didn't see this coming. Um, so I won't spoil it too much partially. Cause I don't know that I could, there are so many twists and turns. I'm like, okay, I would have to watch this again, being aware that this was about to happen to me. Cause I put it on thinking it was like, Oh, this will be like an easy sort of straightforward crime caper. And it definitely wasn't that. Mm. but it was fine. Um, I think okay. it was probably good. I just don't have a full grip on what I experienced. Um, yeah. but like the three, it's like Kira Knightley and, um, Mickey Rourke and Edgar Ramirez. And you couldn't help feeling like he was sort of on a high trajectory for like being an A-list star. And then he kind of sort of pittered out doing kind of B action movies. It seems like, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, a, it was a weird movie to watch, but this, the cast was stacked. Like it was those three, um, Delroy Lindo was in it. Lucy Liu, Christopher Walken shows up. Um, mm-hmm. like I, they just, I know the production company probably threw some money at this, like pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah that movie had definite like uh lock stock and two smoking barrels. Totally. Vibe. Yeah. Or do you remember that movie? Lucky number seven. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like kind of a pulpy, like action sort of. Yeah. Mystery crime movie. Yeah. Mystery crime action assassin. Spy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't have necessarily the largest appetite for that genre of filmmaking, anyways. Um, but every now and again, like I just watched Shoot 'Em Up with uh, Clive Owen. Okay, that movie's great, and it's stupid, and it's just like the most over the top. Like it's that's literally a genre of video game and movie, which is called a Shoot 'Em Up, and they just made yeah. that the title of the movie, and <laughs> did they did that, and it was great. It was so dumb and amazing. There's so many one liners and like. Oh, that's great. And so this, I don't know, this is somewhere in between for me. Like it's supposed to be actiony and smart and maybe it is. I'd, I'd had several drinks by the time we started it, but you know, Fair that's enough. a Sunday like for you. Needed, yeah. You need a little bit more out of it than that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then very lastly for me, I got to play a house concert this week, which I haven't done in, um, what feels like a really long time. Um, and I was, I was hired sort of last minute to do this by some longtime friends and, and fans of my music. And, I took, it was just a solo show. So I took my acoustic guitar, even took my electric, uh, busted out a new song or two, played mostly originals, got to tell a lot of stories that I haven't told in, in months. So that was very nice. I enjoyed that. It was a nice sort of snap back to reality with the gravity. Oops. There goes rabbit. Yeah. Oh, is that what it says? Snap, snap back to reality. Oops. There, I don't know. Well, that makes more sense. It says, oh, there goes rabbity, but I always thought he said gravity. Oop, there goes it might gravity. be gravity. Oh, I think rabbit's the next line. Doesn't matter. That's yeah. Eminem for you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's all He's I got, though, man. That's that was my hot and bothered. Actually, m- both hots, kind of. Well, that's awesome. Well, so we know this this episode's dropping the day before Halloween. So you got any Halloween plans? Doing anything fun? Anything <laughs> spooky? Are you dressing up? I'm driving, and I don't mean like for my drunk friends. I'm driving from San Diego home on Halloween. So that's San Diego is so far away. <laughs> no, I'm going down. I'm playing a wedding that Friday. Um, okay. so, so today when this episode drops, I'll be in San Diego playing this wedding and it's going to be great. So the couple that had a bigger wedding in mind, but COVID happened. So they've scaled it back to sort of an intimate ceremony and a dinner type reception with some of their closest family and friends. Um, 
So I'm leaving town on Wednesday to go play a gig in Oakdale uh, at Dying Breed Brewing. So I might bring back some fun beers for that. Um, oh, you better. Driving down Thursday to San Diego and then playing the wedding Friday and then coming back Saturday. So uh, effectively, uh, the spookiest thing about my weekend will be the lack of sleep I get coming home. And a lot of driving. Yeah. So are you driving all day back from San Diego on, on Halloween? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I'm sure you have something more exciting than that. Uh, there's a couple things floating around. There's a couple uh, bars I know that are doing like socially distanced Halloween parties. Nice. Um, also, I've kicked around the idea of just renting a theater mm-hmm. for me and, and my friends and just doing like a 20 person or less just private little Halloween thing and then Do maybe it. go out for drinks after. Because, I mean, it's 99 bucks. It's like just if you were in Patreon, you know you went. Um, yeah. It's it's really fun, and I think it might be the move this Halloween. Like, next Halloween, I might throw a party. But this Halloween, just to be safe, like, totally. it seems like the smart thing to do. Plus, it's a good thing, like, everyone that went to that event was really stoked to do it. And it's cool because it's something that, like, a lot of people haven't done in a super long time. Yep. So it's not only a chance to, like, hang out. It's a chance to, like, feel normal and do something regular. So I'm kind of leaning towards that. And then um, my company, I pushed for that, and I they were totally down. I rented a – the company, my company, rented a theater. Yeah. So we're all going – as this is dropping Friday, we're having a costume contest at work, and then we're, we rented out a theater, and we're going to see uh, Beetlejuice on the big screen nice. with my whole office and our plus ones. So super stoked for that. So I might just spend like the whole weekend at the movies, which would be very on brand for me. Yeah, I love it, man. That'd be fun. Let me know if you do. That sounds like a great time. I will. I'll talk to you anyways, but yeah, that'll be fun. And if if I end up doing that and you're back from San Diego, you might get a spooky invitation. That'd be great. It'd be a great time for you to take a nap. Say my name uh, three times and I'll just show up in the theater. Yeah, just drunk with vodka taped to your belly. <laughs> On that note, Halloween's a great time to drink. Uh, if you do it, please survive. Don't go drink and drive and come back and listen to our podcasts. If you feel like Ooh. you want to drink and drive, go ahead and throw away your keys, pull out your phone, and open up the latest episode of this year's podcast, and we'll get you through your drunken, spooky night. That's it. That's still also don't drive. Yeah, then definitely don't drive. Um, I like that, though. You made yeah. a little like haiku almost. You're like, survive. Don't drink and drive. Survive, don't drink and drive. Like, why isn't that an ad campaign? I don't know. Because it's a little Survive. Ominous. Well, motherfucker, it should be. It should be. That's true. This is life and death, bro. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, survive. Don't drink and drive. That's our Halloween message. In other message news, as usual, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. My name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. Happy Halloween. Stay spooky. Bring me candy. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.